0: Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. And you're listening to Live and in Color with my boy, Wolfie D.
1: Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Live It In Color with Wolfie D and my co-host, Jimmy Street. And today, we have a super special guest, somebody that I haven't seen in years. And he agreed to come on the show with me, man. Blue Meanie. what's up, bro?
0: Hey, brother. What's up, man? It's great to see you at Square Circle uh, Expo over the weekend.
2: I know, man. I swear, I think it had been... Since the ECW uh, days when Jamie and I was there was probably the last time I saw you. Would you agree? Uh, I,
0: there, there was one time I, I worked for TNA and I think I saw you backstage and you walked up to me and just stared at me until I tried to, until I figured out who you were because <laughs> you your look had you know, changed <laughs> so dra- your, your look had changed so drastically. I was like, "Who? Why is this guy staring at me?" I'm like, dude, it's Wolfie. <laughs> I went, "Oh, oh shh! Oh man!" <laughs> but uh yeah man. Nah dude. That's why I like doing these conventions. They're like um they're like high school reunions, you know what I'm saying? right so it's just like right. and they hurt a lot less. So <laughs> yeah. That's so, true, dude. But uh yeah, hey, man, man, yeah. It was I it was awesome catching up with you.
2: Yeah. Uh and and we had a little me and Meanie were uh right across the room from each other both days or whatever and it took 2 hours for him to go through so we made a rib but uh, we we're using pony express for 2 hours for 3 photos to come through so we we were gonna, we had the idea we were going to get a uh, a paper airplane and just throw messages back and forth it would be faster
0: and if that di- if that didn't work i was going to send a carrier pigeon
2: <laughs> yeah
0: just in you know, a old school dude it's, it's so weird there's like a, a line of demarcation between wi-fi signal in that building where like yeah. i so i went to send a, a text to somebody else and i kept getting my phone kept giving me the, the spinning circle saying sending 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 i'd walk like two feet in one direction and they would go through so it's just so weird
2: it was weird. <laughs> so many uh you know and i love doing these i've said this before man because like I guess when I was in in wrestling, I really didn't care about anything, and, and very selfish. I think as wrestlers, we are selfish and care about our shit, and not nobody else's. And I was never that guy to like pry into people's business, unless I, you know somebody that I hung out with all the time, obviously. But like you, like I don't know your history, man. And then doing these things, I get to learn the history of some people that you know I knew, but I didn't know completely. So. What what turned you into wrestling, man? What made you want to do this shit, <laughs>
0: uh, man? It's I, I was seven or eight years old, and uh, I had never heard of wrestling. And then one day, uh, I was living in Jersey, a, a, a small town called Gloucester City, New Jersey, which is right across the river from Philly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a big baseball fan. You know, I'm eight years old. I'm going to watch the Phillies game. I got my friend next door named Sean. I'm like, hey, Sean, want to come over and watch the Phillies game with me? He's like, I can't. I'm watching wrestling. I'm like, what is wrestling? So, <laughs> I went over his house and uh, I don't remember the whole show, but the match I remember the most was uh, Tony Guria and Rick Martel versus Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito. Uh-huh. Uh, Fuji and Saito screwed uh, Tony and Rick for the WWF tag belts. I throwing uh-huh. the salt in the eyes and from that, that was the bug that bit me. And right. you know, eight years old, I was like, I am watching this each and every week. And, yeah. uh, you know, it just, it became an obsession.
2: Yeah. And then, so uh, how, when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do and were able to find somebody and tell me about your, because I don't know who trained you even.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my story's a little uh, different because I uh, grew up severe, a uh, severe asthmatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Fall and every spring, oh, I gosh, would yeah. you know, spend, spend at least every two weeks in the hospital. Uh, sometimes in an oxygen tent with a, mm-hmm. an IV in my arm, pumping pumping me full of prednisone. Wow. Uh, so, so the fact to say I was going, yeah, I would tell people I want to be a professional wrestler. They go, ah, that's cute, you know. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until maybe early '90s when I started getting into the uh, newsletter world. I have, a, I have a buddy named Justin I credit to you know introduced me to the smart side of right. the business. I always kind of always kind of knew it was a work, but like he was the first guy to show me a Meltzer newsletter. I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> so I started looking around for wrestling schools. Uh, I had a tryout at the Monster Factory, uh, which was like forty five minutes from my house, mm-hmm. and uh, Headbanger Thrasher put me through my uh, tryout, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It was him and. Uh, Larry Sharp and uh legendary wrestling premier Dennis Corluzo was there. Wow! And out of like maybe the Yeah. And uh out out of the thirteen guys that showed up, maybe me and three other guys got called in the office to talk about possibly working out there. Yeah. But uh I you know, time went on and then, you know, I started I saw uh the Milenko brothers wrestle uh the British Bulldogs. Or in all Japan. I was like, man, these Malenko brothers are great. Oh, and they have a wrestling school? <laughs> so I saw that they I saw they, that they were uh, looking for students in the Melcher news, uh, letters. Mm-hmm. I saw corresponding back and forth with a woman named Phyllis Lee at mm-hmm. the uh, Malenko's. And I was dead set on going to the Malenko's. Even though I had tried at the Monster Factory, I knew I had to get as far away as from, as far away from home as possible because if my uh, I'm a grandma's boy. I was raised by my my mom and my grandma, and my grandfather. Okay. If they had seen me come home, you know, with bruises and all that stuff, they would have probably try to talk me out of it. So I had to get as far away from them as possible to you know just focus on the wrestling. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, I was going to go to Malenko's, but then uh, I you know the cost of living there was a little bit expensive. So she uh, Phyllis, who had also gotten x pac uh, Sean Waltman into the business and uh, a few other guys like Raven or helped them get in the business yeah. through Malenko's. Um, I suggested Al Snow School in Lima, Ohio, and oh. uh, I, you know after high school I started saving up, um, you know, tuition money for wrestling school, and yeah. then uh, I sent in my money, and then the day after WrestleMania ten, I drove. 13 hours till I'm in Ohio to train with uh, Al Snow. And uh, it was probably, I, I did this in blind faith. I uh-huh. sent, thir, yeah, sent $1,300 to a woman I never met. And I was taking a, a drive to a wrestling school I'd never heard of, you know, right. with a guy who was just starting to make a name for himself. And it's probably the best risk I ever took in my life. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Very and, cool. Very cool. So, and and then your first—did you start on the Outlaw Circuit, or did you immediately start working? Because I don't know how you got to ECW. I assume that was your first break. Uh,
0: yeah, the, uh, yeah, that was my first break. But like, I started. Well, I started. i start training with Al in March of '94, mm-hmm. and then uh, <laughs> there was a, a student there. Uh, he, he wrestled as the Lumberjack, and he was mm-hmm. running a show in his hometown. And this this is like my first wrestling lesson in the business. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, you want to wrestle on my show? I go, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. He goes, oh man,
3: there's going to be 3000 people there. You nervous? I
0: was like, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so this is like in, in June of 94. So I, I I'm a couple months and I was like, you know, I, you can have a match on the show. You know, you're, you're ready. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it sucked, but we get to the building and, you know, there's 30 people in the crowd. Right. And, uh, <laughs> 3000. <000. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There'll be 3000 people there. And, a know, it's a great voice. 30 people, 30, 30 people, and about 10 of that's family. Right. And, um, I had my first match in June of 94 in, um, Wallaceburg, Ontario, Canada. Oh. Cause, uh, they got, you know, at, well, I was training at house. So many, there's so many different people from different parts. That would come yeah. to train guys from Detroit, guys from Indiana, guys, kids from Canada, uh, Kentucky, um, Pe- uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, there was a guy who, who had trained in New York, but I was coming to uh, freshen up with Al from all the way from New York. He had trained with uh, Bobby Bold Eagle out in New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, this, this kid was from Canada. And he was having his first show. So, like, my first wrestling match was in Canada. So from there, I started doing shows for in Al's uh, wrestling school because he would have like gym shows. Right. Uh, then when Sabu, like Al and Sabu were having this really good feud that was getting a lot of notoriety, uh, Sabu was running the shows in Detroit. And uh, instead of using all the same guys everybody else was using, he would use a lot of Al students. So I was working for Al, I was working for Sabu. And then uh, Dan Severn, who was also an Al Snow student. Start running sold shows up in Michigan, you know mm. uh cold water and uh Kalamazoo I was start working for Dan Severn right and uh eventually it got to the point where uh like Mike samples had reached out to Al and every Thursday night I was driving to Indianapolis for uh, Circle City wrestling that's where I first met Flash Flanagan. I met Ricky Morton I met Tracy Smothers gotcha so eventually Al said, hey man. You know, it's it's cool I'm getting you all these bookings, but in order to become a true professional wrestler, you need to go out there on your own and start hustling and know what it's like to get bookings and stuff like that. So I I drove back east. Yeah. I started showing up at shows in, you know, I started showing up at shows in Baltimore, West Virginia. Uh, I was driving out to Pittsburgh. I was driving back to Detroit for shows. Mm-hmm. But there was three shows that... uh you know, cemented me for ECW. I, was, I did a show in Baltimore, West Virginia, in a horse barn, <laughs> nice. and uh, I did a sh- Yeah, that was, was crazy. Uh, and we did a, I did a show in Pittsburgh for Nor- Norm Connors, and those three shows, Raven and Stevie Richards were on those shows. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until the like the last show in Pittsburgh where uh, you know I had my match. I was you know wrestling a local guy uh, doing a Batman gimmick. Which is <laughs>
2: you doing Batman gimmick,
0: or he, was. he was he was he was he was doing the Batman gimmick, which is funny because I had the chin hair and the buzz cut, and I look like King Tut, so it looked like Batman versus King oh, Tut kind of thing. Perfect, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. But that the match sucked. But you know, uh, I get to the back, and as I, Al taught me, watch every match on the show. So I went back to watching the matches and I watched Raven wrestle, and uh, he comes back through the back. I go, Oh, uh, great match. Uh, Raven he goes, hey kid, nice mood I went, oh my god, he watched my match. <laughs> and then uh, you know the next day, or well, that night, we st- uh, all three of us, me, Stevie, Raven, stayed at the promoter's house and just you know like a flop house and just hung out, mm-hmm. drank, and passed out. Yeah. And next day we're going, we went out for lunch, and uh, Raven goes, hey,
2: um,
0: we got this idea for you know Stevie's my lackey. We want to have a lackey for Stevie, so it'd be a lackey to a lackey. We want a, We want a big fat guy, and uh, the guy we have in mind is big, but he can't wrestle. But you're big, you can do a moonsault. Do you want to do it? I said absolutely. Sure. He's like you're going to, have to wear. He said like, you're going to, have to wear a half shirt and Daisy Dukes. I was like, I go Bobby and ECW, right? He goes, yeah. I go, I'm I'm good. All right. <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> or
2: what? You have to
0: so, wear what? So I, uh, yeah, half shirt and Daisy Dukes. You know the uh, <laughs> normal mini attire, and I was like, you know, if I'm an ECW, I don't care. So. Right, right. Uh, I debuted in October '95, but the uh, footage for that show got scrapped because you know you set a fan on fire, and so I had to redebut November '95 in November to remember. And in the me- in in that meantime, Raven came up with the character for the Blue Meanie, mm-hmm. so that's when I dyed the, my hair blue and came up with face paint. And-
2: what were you What were you using as a name before Blue Meanie?
0: Oh man, I had a couple. I was, we, uh,
3: <laughs>
0: like when I was trained with that. We, I, I called it the class trip. We took a trip out to K and H to go get some gear. Yes. You know, in his in his minivan, uh-huh. and I found a pair of uh, like zebra stripe tights and a and a black singlet. So I was like, oh, I'll call myself the zebra kid. Uh-uh. Genius.
2: Oh, Genius, yeah. right?
0: So. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then, um, I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of corny. And, uh, there's a referee Pee Wee Moore who trained with Alan is at the school. And we we're just trying to think of names. There's like a Henry Rollins tape. Like, nice. Brian Rollins has uh, Brian Rollins has a good ring to it. So I was a zebra kid, Brian Rollins for a little <laughs> bit until, uh, up until Raven discovered me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, Name, my first name was Airwolf. My last name, really, being Wolf. And then that show was popular around that time, and I was like 16 years old and had a mask on. But I was, and because I could, uh, you know, jump and do good drop kicks, I was Airwolf.
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, that show had a
0: that show had a badass theme too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hey folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash LiveWolfie D. Check it out.
1: If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. I love the Beatles, first of all. You know, so Sergeant Peppers, the Beatles, Yellow Submarine movie, The Blue Meanie. Is it true you guys were watching that? I've heard so many things and it's not necessarily a interview from you, but I've heard so many things about the creation of your name and how it came up. Or was it just Raven says, Hey, you be the blue meanie. I mean, was it simple as that? Or was it something that happened? How did that go?
0: Uh, Raven had just been watching the Yellow submarine around that era. And, uh, you know, he was trying to think of ideas for me. And, uh, like I said, in between that time, I debuted, and I had to re He had watched the Yellow Submarine, and me, Stevie, and uh, Raven were driving from Pittsburgh back to where Raven lived in New Jersey at the time, and we're driving through a blizzard, and you now he's like, hey, I got this idea. Hey, did you ever see the Yellow Submarine? I was like, yeah, when I was a kid. He goes, uh, you remember the character, Blue Meanie?" I was like, vaguely. <laughs> so he's like, ah, it's a big, fat guy. You, he's blue all over, but and you'll watch. Uh, you know, we'll go home. We'll watch it. You'll want to paint your whole body blue, but just dye your hair for now. And I was like, "But I'll be an ECW. I'll be right." He goes, yeah. "Yeah." I go, "I'm good. I- I'm good." <laughs> we drove from Pittsburgh to Raven's house in New Jersey. Uh, took a little nap, uh, and then when Blockbuster opened, we went and rented uh, the Yellow Submarine and Raven. You know, one of my you know next lessons in the business. You know, we sat there watched it, watched the parts of the Blue Meanie, and then Raven started you know uh, working with me on promos. He would uh, sit in the middle of the living room and go, "Blue Meanie, do a promo on toilet paper," and then in character, I would have to do promos as the Blue Meanie talking about toilet paper, and um, that then that's how the character was born. That's awesome.
1: That's so awesome. So obviously, you know, Raven's Nest, you're the lackey for Stevie Richards, Sergeant <laughs> Peppers, Beatles, Yellow Submarine. I know I'm, I'm like summarizing a few things here, but what led to the, I mean, epic storyline of the Blue World Order? What led to that? Where you, I mean, obviously the New World Order, but you know what I mean? What led
0: to you guys? Yeah.
1: And if I'm skipping, w- don't let me.
0: <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, no. It was just a, a natural evolution of what we had been doing. Uh, one time, you know, we used to have to pick up uh, Scotty at his house and then drive to the arena. He, he he was big on us showing up together, looking like a faction, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, after we picked him up in, at his house and we were going to the arena, he's like, dude, I got this great idea for you. He's telling me, you know, me and Stevie dude, you guys should just come out and call yourselves the fabulous ones with no explanation, (laughs) with no explanation, you know, and uh, we'll call ourselves. you know, Stevie will be Stevie, I'll be Stan and, uh, you know, we'll do the fabulous Fargo strut and the the, the funniest part besides us doing the parody was, you know, Raven trying to teach us the Fargo strut in the locker room (laughs) and it was the worst Jackie Fargo would have smacked us right in the fucking mouth if he had seen our first a couple attempts of the Fargo strut. Uh, so we went out and did, you know, the fabulous ones. We were calling ourselves the fabulous ones. But then it just evolved. You know, we became the uh, the Blue Meanie Bloods where uh, Stevie was Sir Stevie. Our, uh, he was um, Lord Stevie and I was Sir Meanie, the Earl of Eating stuff that oh. like bobby like bobby right, right. But, but we were doing this we're hammering these parodies and we're we were kind of like becoming the weird al yankovic of you know professional wrestling where we were doing being topical with what was going on in the other promotions and just paying homage yeah. uh i did blue dust uh stevie was baron von stevie like baron von rashke yeah. uh, colonel the Demet- I was Colonel Domeny instead of Colonel De Beers, yeah. um, and, and all it, and I think all this I think Raven did all this just to pop himself because yeah
2: sounds exactly one cool.
0: time yes well one time in uh, Plymouth meeting it was I was uh, Colonel Domeny and Stevie was uh, uh, Baron von Stevie and we're doing our <laughs> shtick right. And Raven's sitting in his corner, you know. He said he, he, you know, does the Jake the Snake sit in the corner with his arms uh-huh. on the ropes, hair in his face? And uh-huh. Brian Lee's at Brian Lee is at ringside, uh-huh. and I peer over and I see sh- Raven's shoulders just start to shake. Uh-huh. And uh, when we get to the back, Raven goes, "Man, you you, you almost got me," you know, because uh-huh. Brian, <laughs> Brian Lee leans into Raven's ear and goes, "Brian Lee leans into Raven's ear and goes, they 'They're fucking killing me.'" <laughs> you know how, yeah, yeah, and you know how Brian talks with that accent. They're fucking killing me. And Raven, you know, shoulder start, you know, Raven starts popping, coming out of character. But you know, the natural evolution was the BWO
2: it, 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 and yeah. the Blue World Order. Yeah. Talking about Ravens, I can see it because that's how he laughs. That little laugh he does where he kind of uh, his head bobs, but his shoulders shrug at the same time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like an Eddie Haskell type thing. He's like Eddie Haskell from Leave It the Beaver, where he's like, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, just, yeah. And, uh, dude, it was the best. You know, um, I was so fortunate. But, uh, you know, the natural evolution was uh, the BWO and, I was all for it. Stevie was a little nervous, you know, because they were the hottest act in the business and they had a lot of power. He's like, you know, if we do this parody, will they, you know, will we get blackballed? And Raymond's like, no, 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 just do it. They'll and, pop uh, for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I I would learn, later come to learn that, you know, the NWO guys loved it. That's because, awesome. Um, yeah. Nash Hall and Waltman t- all told me, you know, after a show, they would try to find like a local bar and they would look for wrestling and watch ECW. And, um, Scott Hall told me, he's like, I used to, ri-, he, he said, I used to rib Kevin Nash all the time because I was like, well, if he's me and he's the blue meaning, in the blue world order, I should be the leader of the new world order, you know, just ribbing yeah. Kevin Nash, you know? But, um, yeah, it, we, it, the, it, the funny thing about the BWO is supposed to be one night and it was going to be a one night parody and uh, I think Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon heard the crowd reaction and they're like, we may be able to get a little bit of a run out of it. And it became like almost like a full year, six month to a year run where it led to Stevie being in the main event of ECLB's first pay-per-view, barely legal. And it was the, 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 the vehicle to help Steve, help me, Stevie and Nova break off from Raven's flock and mm-hmm. uh, become our own entity, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny, man, is listening to you talk about uh, trying to do the Fargo strut. You know, me, obviously, <laughs> a Memphis, Memphis guy, like everybody has. You know, it's like Memphis. You got to be able to throw a punch, and you got to be able to do the Fargo strut.
0: You
4: know,
2: yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, but i've seen it completely butchered by people over the years and it's not it, it's it's funny because it's not as easy as it really looks to do it like they did it you know but that's that's funny man and speaking of memphis when jamie and i came to ecw had you heard of us had you seen us before and, and what were your thoughts on that
0: oh absolutely man i was a huge fan of you guys um I had first heard of Jamie in Memphis. Uh, we used to get Memphis TV up here oh. all the time. There was a, a yeah through uh, syndication, but there was also a channel up here, uh, Channel Forty Eight, which would do five days of different wrestling shows. Besides g c w that would have Memphis, though. would have uh, NWA Wildside, uh, and then other random stuff. But like I, you know, I was also part of the tape trading community. You know, trading tapes and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely knew who you guys were and a uh, big fan. So so to get to share a locker room with you guys was 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 awesome because, you know, you know, it, it brought a new flavor to the locker room, you know, and, and then you guys were great.
2: Um, man, I loved it up there. And You know, most nights we we wrestled the eliminators our first night in just because it, they did the thing where I was like in Memphis, we would beat them all the time. Then they went to ECW, got over and we were the team that they hadn't beaten. So we did some kind of deal with that there. Um, but, man, what a, what a fun time we had. Were you not telling me a story, something? That it, I can't remember if you, over the weekend, you were telling me something. Is we worked you or something? It was some story about Jamie. Do you remember what I'm talking about?
0: Uh, there was a, a, a Boston loop where uh, we, walk, we worked uh, two nights in a row. The one night, I want to say, was in Waltham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Uh, me and Nova wrestled you guys is probably one of my favorite matches in ECW because we just clicked and uh, we did the spot where uh, somebody bumped out somebody did a dive then Nova did a dive on you guys and then I teased I was going to do the dive and as I hit the ropes I come back the other way you guys just scattered (laughs) <laughs> like, you you ran to the left uh, you know uh, Jamie ran the other way Nova did the Lambo leap into the crowd like er, it was like Every, everybody out of the pool here comes Meanie and uh, it got such a great reaction That's and, like it's a spot I've, I've stolen you know I, I, I still try to work in like if I'm in a tag or a six man tag or something like that where I'm the last guy to go try and yeah. make a dive and everybody just says everybody just goes fuck that and yeah
2: <laughs>
0: everybody just gets out of the way you know yeah that's awesome and man. then in the next night the funny part the next night we worked uh after the match rob van dam comes in to do uh you know uh, the pinfall uh, first night you guys went up second night we went up and then after we pinned you one two three uh rob van dam runs in to do a, a run-in on me and nova to lay us out uh-huh. So he comes in. He does that thing where Fonzie holds up the chair. He kicks the chair, hits you in the head. Right. I go first. I go first, and the chair flies right over my head. Ah. And misses me. <laughs> so I go, oh no, no, Nova's going to get it twice as bad now. So <laughs> like I'm laying there and like, you know, it, it, it was like, oh man, I, I said a little prayer. As he took his chair shot, but. The best part about me, us guys working the next night, like Wolfie was like talking shit the whole time on the mic, like during the finish, like he's like you know, he was he was laying down talking to chill on the mic, and I just happened to be on the top rope side so him with the moonsault, and you hear him go, "Oh no!" <laughs> as I'm coming down on him, and he's like, "You fat," you, he's like, "You fat, you fat bastard," you
2: know. And <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, that that those two matches were great.
2: like little bitty shit that just means so much, man. It gets such a good pop. Just like when he uh, does it, like I got it. I stole it from him is when you take a big backdrop as you're going up, whoa, shit, real loud. And the people pop.
0: (laughs) Dude, there's there's a few people in this business I would not want to spar with verbally. And and that's Jim, Jim Cornette and Jamie Dundee because you will not win. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I always say that Wolfie had the fists and Jamie had the mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like Jamie could get away with saying stuff because he knew he had Wolfie behind him. But at the same time, I don't know that he even cared if Wolfie was behind him. Sometimes we just watched a, we did a watch a lot. We have a, a show called ask Wolfie to watch where basically a listeners, they'll put something on social media for Wolfie to watch. And we did a show recently and it was Candido and Dundee in the Hammerstein in 98. And Jamie just comes out and Wolfie can quote everything he said, but the the whole crowd was popping like it was brand new stuff because Jamie is just like, his tongue is like a sword.
2: Girl, i tell you a joke, knock your titties off when I see you already heard it.
3: <laughs>
0: Dude, he, he was in the ECW arena, which if anybody's been there, wrestling in the ECW arena was a lot like a comedian doing stand up at the Apollo Theater. It's yeah. just, the, the, the crowd will eat you alive. Yeah. And he got on the mic in the E-sub arena and just read people and just, yeah. you know, looked them up and down and called them out and said, and my favorite one is, I guess there was a guy wearing gray sweatpants and a, a gray hoodie. He was like, Hey, yo rock. And he's like doing Sylvester Stallone to the guy. And the crowd <laughs> is in tears laughing because yeah. he would just, he would just grab the mic and eviscerate people, and you see people standing still, going, "Please don't look at me! Please don't look at me! Please don't look at me!" You know, <laughs> see, he, would a, just, he would just kill a person. He would kill a person with his with his words. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great segue that I was going to bring up, actually, Mini. So thank you for that. You're a pro. What, <laughs> I,
0: what, I don't know, but yeah,
1: I, I think you've done this before. But one of those things is how how much did it mean to you? Later on in the WWE and other, even AEW, other areas of of wrestling, how much did it mean to you to come up in that Northeast, passionate, you know, Philadelphia, New York territory? I mean, how did that, I guess, callous you in a way to future good word uh, events (laughs) that you would come to? I mean, did it mean like okay? I'm in Boise, Idaho. These guys can't hurt me. I've been in front of... Talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, well, I had a a, a rare uh, perspective because before I was an ECW wrestler, I was an ECW fan. And um, I grew up in the Northeast. Uh, Philly has always been a uh, blue collar, busted knuckles, bring your sandwich in a lunchbox to work. Type town where, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm the descendant of people who know the value of a dollar. Um, you know, my grandmom told me stories about the depression where they didn't have enough money. Mo- they didn't have enough money for lunch meat, so they would have to eat ketchup sandwiches for dinner. Yeah. So, you know, pe- people in Philly knew what it was like to have hardships and stuff like that. So if they're going to invest their money, you know, spend the money they could be using for food or the electric bill or any other thing, but they want to spend that 20 bucks to come watch you wrestle. Don't waste our time, you know? Right. And, uh, and the, the same wrestling fans that came to ECW shows or any wrestling show, uh, were the same people who, you know, cheered for the broad street bullies and hockey. You know, they yeah. were, they were the same fans that got vilified for billing Santa Claus at the Eagles game, <laughs> you know, uh, which is a whole other funny story. But, uh, um, you know, they, they, you know, don't waste our time. We're coming out. We want to see you do good. If you do good, we we'll cheer. If you do bad, we boo because right. we want you to do better. And that's still to this day. People go, oh, Philly fans boo. They don't appreciate. No, it's not. We don't appreciate We know you can do better. So yeah. yeah, I was, I was of that mindset. I was in the, the crowd for, you know, a lot, of, you know, I'm, if you watch Halloween Havoc 92, I'm right in the front row. Uh, If you watch a lot of ECW shows, I I was in the crowd. You could see me. And I was still that boisterous fan. So uh, when Stevie brought me, you know, I debuted for ECW. Stevie, you know, I sat in the front row as a fan of Stevie's, and he brought me over to guardrail, which is like the perfect symbolic gesture of my wrestling career. Yeah. So I, you know, I knew, I kind of had to cheat sheet on what these fans were looking for. And uh, like I said, it was, you know, it did, you know, callous me. I did have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I could take it, you know, so it just, uh, it, it was, um, it was like a, like I said, a cheat sheet for me to, uh, get an ECW, but you know, they just, you know, the, the Philadelphia fans are, you know, whether it's sports pro, you know, you know, hockey, football, baseball, you know, ECW was, you know, Philadelphia's fifth sports team, you know, and, uh, you know, we just wanted to go there, have a good time, and you know, drink some beer and you know, yell at the heels and yeah. Well, Philly was notorious because <laughs> I heard like you know, people, you know, it would be, you would have to flip the switch, flip the switch because Philly was such a heel town. We would cheer the heels and boo the baby faces.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, here here's a funny story. Um, there was a, uh, a radio show up here called Ra- Wrestling Radio. On the local sports channel, six ten WIP, yeah. and every year we would do a, a trip to Memphis. You know, and we would go down to uh, we would go to uh, Jackson, Tennessee. We go to uh, uh, Mid South Coliseum, all these other, all these other places. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, we went to the fairgrounds in Nashville. You know, we go around on a tour bus, like a like a you know a bus yeah. bus, and go around and see all the and we would have a, a meet like we get in first night and have him you know sit down and have like a you know a couple like a meet and greet with Dave Brown and he would have to say we know this is not Philly uh, we cheer the baby faces here please don't Please don't cheer the heels please don't boo the baby faces uh, this is our, uh, our bread and butter here we understand you know Philly's a little rough but Dave Brown will give us the lecture please uh, cheer the baby faces and stuff like that so
2: <laughs> so PC. even back then he was pc he got on to me he about lost his shit on me because i called <laughs> uh eric eric watts and uh chad techno team 2000 you remember that uh, yeah 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 so I called, <laughs> them, I called them the techno turds on memphis tv and he about lost his shit over that
0: <laughs> oh my god if tur- Turd, 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 turd. was a If turds was a deal breaker, I can imagine what he said if he said something real, you know. Uh, Yeah,
1: turds is what I call my nephews. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad word.
2: Let's take a quick timeout and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more live and in color with Wolfie D. you need the Rockstar
4: Realtor.
1: Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. Jade Roper, the Southern Closer, is here for you if you're looking to buy a home and need the best deal on a mortgage loan. Now, while Jade's heart and soul is helping that first-time homebuyer, it doesn't matter if it's your first, second, or the dream home you've always wanted. She is there to help. Jade knows the area, the market, and she's invested in your community. She'd love to help you with all your home financing needs and will make it as easy as possible. All this makes her the official mortgage lender of the Live and in Color with Wolfie podcast. Contact her today at 615-681-4282, email at jroper at primeres.com, or just visit the Southerncloser.com. NMLS 1794506. Licensed in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Powered by PRMI, NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. Man, I feel like we could have you for a hundred days and I could never ask you enough questions, meaning, and I don't want to skip over your WWE because I definitely want you to talk about that. You get to the WWE and then you get your run there and then you, you kind of come back and then you make it back up there with the WWE CW one night stand. And in the ring, you catch some live rounds from Mr. JBL, Yeah, you know, Tell I know a lot of people have caught live rounds from him and he's supposed to be working, but in this case, it, it was a little less of a work, right?
0: Uh, what's the story? Ricky Martin would say, man, let's go in the ring. And you just punch me right in the face. Why Ricky? Because your working punches You're are punches killing me. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like, you know, uh, I went to WWE. It was a dream come true. And, um, you know, um, Funny thing is, I was a big fan of, you know, Bradshaw leading up to going there, you know, when he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw. It's like, man, this guy's got a great look. He's kind of like another version of Stan Hansen. It's like a modern version of Stan Hansen, long hair, bull rope, all that stuff. You know, I love Dutch. Yeah, Dutch was his manager. I was like, I love Dutch. This is great. And um, I don't know what the deal was, but, um, you know, just like, I just felt, you know, you say I, I I like to say he, he bullied me, but it just like it seemed like I couldn't do anything right, you know. Yeah. You know, leading up to the one I'd say, like, you know, uh, what he would, you know, either say, you know, stuff to me, or in the ring, you know, take a little, you know, I, I, I what I believe was taking liberties. And full disclosure, yeah. we're cool now. But, you know, before I even go into this, we're cool now. We're friends. We've all talked about this. I
2: just I saw him shaking hands and hugging each other. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, he came over to my table. We took a photo together and a uh, fan came back the next day with the photo and printed out eight by 10s for us to put up on our walls, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, me, me and John are cool now. Uh, you know, when we, the, uh, one night stand thing happened, you know, uh, we went to a room and, uh. It's like one of those things where, you know, you, you know, Wolfie, you've been to TV, there's signs everywhere, you know, catering, uh, yeah. uh, kayfabe, uh, Vince's office, you know, Richie for magic. Yeah. So we're what me and John are walking. He's like, you want to go have this talk? I was like, absolutely. Let's go talk. And we are walking into a part of the building where I'm starting to see less and less signs. And I'm like, and if we go in a room and there's plastic, if there's plastic on the floor, I am running. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of it would be like Goodfellas, you know? Right. So, uh, we get in the room, he locked the door behind him, turn around, he's like, we could talk or we could fight. I was like, well, dude, I never wanted to fight you. So let's just talk. Yes. I was like, Hey man, this is what you, this is what you did. You know, between the stuff in ring, uh, saying stuff to me on airplanes, you know, to, to embarrass me and stuff like that, or just, and it wasn't even like taking you know, there's difference between working stiff and you know taking labor. Yep. I dude, I was an ECW. Right. <laughs> right. Know? Right. right. Know, for somebody who's been an ECW, go, hey man, lighten up. <laughs> yeah, Come right. on. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so he's like, you know what? He he took he said the most magical words you could say to anybody. He goes, Hey man, I'm sorry. Mm. And wow. when when he said that t- when he said that to me, the way that the world came off of my shoulders. It's like, uh, you know, you can be mad at somebody. You can hold a grudge with somebody, but being mad at somebody and holding a grudge on somebody does nothing to that person and does right. everything to you. It it does more damage to you and eats away at you, almost like, you know, like a cancer, you know, just the right away being mad about somebody. But the fact that he turned and said, hey, man, I'm sorry. You know, he's, like, you know he's being honest. I don't remember a lot of that. But uh, if you say, uh, dude, I'm sorry. That's like, awesome. And he's like, you know, let's, he said, and then he's like, let's go make money. I was like, all right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That can be a very shitty environment, man. Because obviously when you first go up there, it's an intimidating, I don't care what any, you know, unless you're some giant star recruiting or something like that maybe not so much but you know for guys like us that were fans and then get into the business and you finally make it there it's kind of an intimidating atmosphere and then if you it is somebody like him fucking on you it makes it fucking 10 times worse right
0: yeah and and the thing is you know i'm not one the the bag like if i feel like i'm being threatened you know it's not it's something i would stand up for myself but i was like man what if I stand up for myself and get fired? You know, I got, you know, um, I was taking care of my mom. I was taking care of my grandma. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the best joys of my life was, you know, when Bruce Pritchard called to hire me, and I walked, walked 20 feet from my, my bedroom to the living room and I told my grandma to put all the bills in my name. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why? I was like, she said, why? I was like, cause I just signed with the WWE and her knees buckled because You know, in this business, people go, you know, the wrestlers like to go, I paid my dues. Well, a lot of times your family pays dues as well. And, uh, you know, my mom and my grandma were supporting my wrestling habit. And then it was my turn, my turn to give back to them. And, uh, you know, the last, my grandma lasted maybe two years after that. I gave nature her last two years were the best two years of her life. But I couldn't, and I didn't want to risk that. You know, I could right. fire up and say, Hey man, fuck you. And then, you know, start, you know, throwing, you know, throw I might've got my ass kicked, but I would been, I still would have stood up for myself. Right. Sure. And I, I don't want to, I didn't want to risk that. So, uh, and like you said, it is an intimidating, uh, atmosphere there. I mean, people go, you know, you thinking, you know, in the rings competitive, it's more competitive behind the scenes as well. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: That That's great perspective. Can I ask how old you were about
0: that time? Dude, I, my timeline is so crazy because I started training, I, I was 20 when I started training and then yeah. I got the ECW around when I was 22. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was only in the business a year and a half when I got the ECW and then three years later, WWE calls, I'm 25. So maybe yeah. I got there a little bit, I don't want to say too soon, but I'm still, I'm still kind of green when I got to WWE, you know?
2: Right, right. Hey, I was talking to him about this. He thought, and I, the reason I'm saying this is because you know he was he was a bully, and but for whatever reason he did he did not retaliate. But uh, me and Jamie, we were at some building. And we're walking around it. It, it had to be uh, some sort of athletic uh, arena because there was a gym in it, like a big gym, like for football players. And we're walking by, and we look in there, and the doors open and there's four or five guys in there working out you know and we keep walking and he stops he stops by us he's got his street clothes on he, he said is that gym open down there we said yeah so well he didn't even go down there and investigate he just turned back around to go to the, to the dressing room and put on his workout clothes so When he by the time he gets back they had closed it so he thought we oh ripped. no Oh, man. Huh. He thought we ribbed him to go change clothes when the fucking thing was never open, but it was. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he was, okay, all right, I've got y'all, I've got y'all, but he never did anything back. But it was Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I think man. he always saw himself, and I don't know him from anybody, but I, did he, do you guys think he saw himself as some sort of like keeper of a gate kind of thing? you know, these guys are going to earn it if they're coming into my territory kind of thing. Is
2: that, I would, I, I don't know. It's just
0: go ahead. Wolf. I'm sorry. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I, I would tend to think maybe that is sort of his personality, you know, kind of not so much as, cause you know how it was, it was in the back, uh, yeah. take and BSK and all that stuff, you know, but he was kind of like that too, you know?
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was just, like I said, it was just ultra yeah. competitive in a locker room and, uh, you know, uh, sure. you know, people protecting their spot, you know, and I don't know why, I don't know if anybody viewed me as a threat, but you know, my, my whole thing was show up to work, do what you gotta do and keep your mouth closed and ears open. You know, uh, one day we're in uh catering and I'm sitting, uh, near Terry Taylor he goes, "Meanie, you don't say much. I go. That keeps me. I said that's uh, less opportunity. Uh, less opportunity for me and get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he go. He said, wise words. <laughs> you know. So you know. I just you know. Um, well, there, there was also the issue. Of, like my first weekend in, uh, I debut in Philly, uh, and then we had to go to Baltimore and Hartford, Connecticut. And I had never really flown around. You know, for shows. I'm so used to driving. I was going to. You know, be in Philly, drive to Baltimore, and from Baltimore drive all the way up to Connecticut for a raw. Mm-hmm. And this is when they were they were doing the live raw on Monday, taping the next raw on Tuesday for the next week. So I was like, you know what? You know I'll drive up, and then Earl Hebner goes, no, 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 we'll fly you. It's like all right. <laughs> so uh, I go to Baltimore, uh, check in for my flight. I look at my ticket. It says seat one A. I go, <laughs> oh man, that and. Stupid me! Not used to flying. Go, oh, I'm right behind first class. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm in the the first row. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm in first class. Right. So I'm sitting on, I'm sitting. I'm, I I get to there, I go, oh no. So I'm like, I'm sitting in. My, I, I take my seat, not knowing what to do. So I I try to like put one of those magazines up in front of my face. You know, and you see, you've got guys coming on the plane, side eyeing me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh man. And uh, I didn't know how bad of trouble I was in until Mick Foley saw me. and goes, oh, me, no. me oh, no. I'm like, Mick, no, please take me with you. Son. Imagine this in first class, me, big boss man, and Shawn Michaels all in the first row. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so the plane, plane takes off, and then I hear a big booming voice from the back of the plane. Now, I don't know who it was, but somebody went, why the
3: fuck is the blue eating in first class?
0: Like, oh shit! So I get to we land in Hartford. In Miami, I was I am at baggage claim and uh, I'm I was riding with Mick, Al Snow and Bob Holly. Okay, I, go, I go guys, guys, I, did I fuck up? Uh, are they gonna shit my bags? Were they gonna do? and Bob Holly goes, I don't think they shit in bags anymore. I was like, Oh, well, thank God for that, right? <laughs> so we get to the we get to the building, and uh, you know, a couple guys were at me, like the Harris brothers are like, Ah, first glass, and I just did the old sigh and you know, let my head hang, and they're like, That's the best thing you could do. <laughs> and uh, uh Road dog goes, Hey man, just tell them that don't be mad because I got a better travel agent. You know, I was like, yeah, that's the last thing I'm going to say. But, uh, I get pulled in, I get pulled to, into a side office. It's uh Briscoe and Lancer like manny. I know, we know you're not used to flying. So, uh, please don't do that again. So I don't know if it was that thing of me, my be making a bad impression my first week in, you know, taking that first class ticket and, and then d goes, well, if I was me, I would have offered it up to a vet. I went, son of a bitch. Ah. You know, I, <laughs> every, it's like, so, you know, when I, when they brought me in to wrestle uh, JBL on SmackDown, we're in Sacramento. Uh, we all flew in separately, but on, we're on the way out. We're all, all on this one flight, and then we're going to make a connection, go our separate ways. They hit me with a fucking first-class ticket again. I'm like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope. I was like, uh, Hey, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, how would you like to sit in first class? So I, <laughs> up to all the vets. I I think Tony Greer or Ricky steamboat eventually took my first class ticket, By I was like, Phew. <laughs> pull me once, you know, that's funny. Like I
1: said, Meanie, you got to come back and talk to us, man. I feel like we could talk to you for days. Sure. So, you know, having a, a regular guest as blue meanie, you're always welcome here, brother. So too kind. You're too yeah. kind. Well, with that being said, let's do Current Affairs. DJ, hit the music. It's a
4: current affair!
2: It's a current affair!
1: Love it and color! It's a current affair! Love it color! All right, we're back with Current Affairs, and today we have our good buddy blue meanie now meanie i make it super easy the original idea for this segment was to annoy wolfie because he doesn't watch the current <laughs> product <laughs> uh, but it is of-
0: I, I might be i might be I might be right behind him, but go
1: ahead. <laughs> well, hey, you know, that's even better. So that, that kind of is my goal with all of this is to kind of keep a foothold always in the past and with Wolfie's career, but at the same time, have a little touch of the current. So with that being said, I sure. always ask workers when they come on the show, I always ask them, who do you currently really enjoy that that's working right now, whether it's the top dog superstar or the up and coming worker. Who do you
0: like right now in the in the scene? Uh to me the best wrestler in all of professional wrestling right now is Randy Orton. Uh, oh yeah. He's just so good. Um everything he does means something and there's like no wasted motion, you know, uh and, and especially when you know when he walks to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people people rib on how long it takes them to get to the ring, but uh, no, that's awesome. You know, uh, but yeah, Randy Orton's awesome. Uh, I have a couple students. One, one of my students is in WWE, Matt Riddle. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, to watch him and uh, Orton, they're kind of like the Chris Farley and David Spade of WWE yeah. right now where... You know, uh, Randy's a serious one and, uh, Riddle's the, uh, Chris Farley, lovable, goofy guy, but,
5: uh, yeah, yeah, about
0: in all, all wrestling, I would say I I really enjoy, um, uh, Randy Orton. Uh, I'm trying to think of some upcomers. Uh, there's a lot, there's so much talent out there. Um. Uh I would have to get back to you on that one because of course I'm I'm blank and I'm I'm only on my first cup of coffee this morning. So that's okay. I we apologize. caught you
1: Yeah, we caught you early. You know, that's the funny thing. Wolfie was asking me, you know, he was like, Why is Randy in a tag team on WrestleMania? Why is he not one of the main eventers? And I was trying to explain to him that I feel like that one, it's to work with Riddle. And because I think they see a lot in him and they expect probably a Randy Orton career out of Matt Riddle. But at the same time, I feel like it's going to probably lead to a storyline between them eventually. I'm hoping at least because I think that would be honestly, that could top any WrestleMania card, in my opinion, at the right time. You know what I
0: mean? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Do you think that's something that may happen? I was just watching Randy Orton on the the Pat McAfee show. Uh, WrestleMania week, and he said, "No, you know, you know teaming with Riddle's kind of reignited his passion for wrestling. You know, because Riddle's got so much, so much energy to him, and yeah. uh, Riddle's legit badass. He was in UFC, uh, right, right. You uh, know, and the only reason why he's not in UFC anymore is because they had a because you know, he liked to smoke pot, just you know." <laughs> and, and the reason why, and people are like, oh, he's just a star. No, he, he smoked pot because he didn't want to get addicted to pills because, yeah. you know, the opioid crisis and stuff like that. So he came to the monster factory and, and trained with us. You know, we, there's five coaches there. I was one of his coaches. I was more like the, uh, the mental coach, you know, right. um, and, uh, but like, uh, if you watch the, uh, the Riddle, uh, documentary on the peacock called Matt Riddle Arrival, I said, you know, when you know riddle started training with us i i did the the dory funk dojo in wwe with kurt angle uh oh man and i saw a lot of i i see a lot of kurt angle in uh riddle yeah and and, and, and at the if the, at the moment they discern they, they decide to bring out his vicious side you know make him turn heel and stuff like that him and randy orton could definitely have a money feud you know if 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 in this day and age where, you know, uh, storylines don't last as long, right. uh, I mean, I like what they're doing. With, I love what they're doing, doing with Roman Reigns and, you know, with the storyline of him being the, the longest, you know, being undefeated and stuff like that. Sure. But, uh, if they could do a, a long six months to a year angle with, uh, Randy Orton, because you know, he said, you know, riddles, you know, added, you know, some juice to his, uh, you know, his love of wrestling. I think those two could have a, a, a great feud, and uh, totally. You know, totally agree. Yeah, some yeah. as as the young kids you say, they could have a couple bangers. Yeah, so, yeah. There you
1: go. I always ask this question too. You know, NWA AEW. We've seen you around. Yeah. What's next for Meany? Where where are you going next,
0: brother? Uh, uh, probably to the old folks' home. just Nabskin. Uh, I said, I keep telling my, I have a niece who's had kids. So I, I call them my grand niece and nephews. And I was like, I gotta be good to you. Cause, uh, when I'm in the nursing home, you're going to have to sneak me in my booze. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: dude, it, it, it's, it's
0: very, very cool in 2022 to doing, be doing the stuff I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, considering I said I grew up severe asthmatic. I'm not supposed I was never supposed to be in the wrestling business. Sure. Uh I was I, I, I'm surprised I made it a year, but you know, thank God I, Al, I found Al Snow and he worked with he he did he didn't carny me and you know, he actually taught me. Yeah. Uh but you know, uh two thousand twenty two, you know, uh like you said, I I got to work in AEW, working with NWA. Um Eventually, I would like to maybe get in behind the scenes, like producing. Uh, I would love to work behind the scenes. I would love to work with younger guys and gals in the business. Because, um, you know, when I was coming to the business, I I was fortunate enough to have veterans work with me. I had Mm -hmm. Al Snow. Uh, There's a great Michigan wrestler named Irish Mickey Doyle. He trained... uh, he trained Rhino. He trained a whole bunch of people. And then, uh, you know, Denny Cass was another veteran that that helped me. Sabu helped me. And then when I got to ECW, I had the ultimate learning tree between Sabu, Paul Heyman, Terry Funk, Shane Douglas, all that stuff. And I think the younger generation that's out now needs to have a veteran. Like every Indian promotion should just hire a veteran just to sit in the locker room and just yeah. talk to the young kids. And just guide them, you know not to be a grumpy old man, but hey man, <clears throat> so you know like when I help I go over to monster factory and I help coach I'll, I, uh, I i i i I showed the guys what I did right, but I also teach them my mistakes because I made yeah. plenty of them, yeah, you know, hey man, uh if you see this happen, you might not want to do that, you know because it's it's easy to to make those mistakes, and once you make a mistake, you can spiral out of control and let that eat away at you uh you know i you know where where i'm going to be next i would love to do something behind the scenes uh you know i still do shows here and there but i'm really picky you know um you know it, it's gotta be fun worthwhile sure. and stuff like that you know just uh like last weekend was awesome uh my boys at Colorado brought me in the square circle expo and you know. It was great to see Wolfie. It was great to see Flash Flanagan, you know, who I have a history with, you know, my first year in the business, I worked with him a lot and, uh, yeah. you know, just, just stand around and talk, you know, imagine, imagine being a young guy standing around, listening to me and Wolfie and Al Snow talk about our stories. You know, we, we were, we were, we were huddled into the, you know, the, the center of the room, just talking about it. You know, to hear, you know, the story about Jamie, you know, calling out Ken Shamrock, you know, it's pretty funny. It's just just, just different things, you know, and and I think that's what, you know, the younger generation needs. we need not, not just veterans, but good veterans, you know, you know, there's, you know, there could be some veterans that could be, uh, they could corrupt the young guys, but, you know, get some good guys in there and teach (laughs) them, uh, the the right ways.
1: Absolutely. Well, last but not least, where can they find you on social media?
0: Uh, If you would like to find the Blue Meanie on all forms of social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok, which I haven't quite figured out yet. Uh, At Blue Meanie BWO. At Blue Meanie BWO, you can find me on all the social media platforms. If you would like to support the Blue Meanie, go to com slash Blue Meanie. You can get the uh, BWO shirt. Uh, nice. If you want to support some, good, if you want to support some good brothers, go to CollarandElbowBrand Use promo code Meanie and save ten percent. They have some uh, awesome. great stuff over there, and they, they do a lot of good stuff for the boys. Uh, Collar yeah. elbow helped raise money for Bobby Eaton's family, for the New Jacks family. Rod's a great guy. Yeah. Rod is awesome.
2: Rod lives in my town. He lives in Somerset, in Kentucky, where where I live. Awesome, uh,
0: and he's the reason why I went. He was like, Hey man, you want to come out? I was like, absolutely. And I was <laughs> like, I'll drive there for, I'll drive there for you. That's how much it means to me. Yeah. Uh, he's a great, great guy, man. He helped me a lot too. When, uh, you know, uh, I was having, you know, some problem, maybe he, he put out a, a blue mini shirt up on his website and helped me, uh, raise a couple bucks. So, you know, good people in this business. I'm very fortunate. Uh, and that's where you can find me on uh, all the social media or also uh, go to cameo.com slash blue meanie bw, And I'll uh, say happy birthday or, you know, go, go fuck yourself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've had, a, I've had a few of those, which is weird, but yeah.
2: You know. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you though, um before we go, please if you talk about it. It's too personal or whatever, but uh you don't have to, we can cut this out, but, you know, since the last time I seen you, you look great, man. You've lost so much weight. You look oh. young. You look healthier. I mean, how did how did you do Thank that? You. What was it a, a medical issue, or did you just say "fuck it, man"? I'm losing some weight.
0: Uh, it's weird, man. Um, yeah, it's just um, at my heaviest, I was like maybe 390. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point a point. and then I got, you know, WWE asked me to lose weight and I lost, I got down to 240 and they still fired me. But, mm. uh, I say this, but it does it, you know, you know I, I'm gonna, I say this, but I don't really mean it, but people suck. You know, um, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the same people who are like, man, you're, you're too fat. You need to lose weight. I go and lose the weight. Get down to 240, and people go, Man, you don't look right. You look too skinny. Are you okay? Are you sick? Do you have cancer? It's like, Oh, man. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get depressed. And a lot of my weight gain was from depression. You know, sure. uh, I was depressed because I was asthmatic. I was depressed. I couldn't do things. You get bullied as a kid, you know, and then yeah. you, you know, depressed. You, you do the depression eating. But now, recently, it's just uh, just staying active. You know, uh, uh, when I, you know a couple of years ago i got down to 320 and then uh i had an accident and broke my hand and i got laid up for a little bit i lost my way and uh just uh, a matter of you know just staying active uh, i'm down to 320 now i'd love to get below 3 but uh i appreciate look i appreciate the kind of words i'll take them i'll take all the kind of words i can get um just uh just you know, I always say, uh, you're young once, but immature forever. So I think, uh, the, the, I have the ability to just try to stay positive and have a, you know, you know, a good laugh every day, try it, you know, keeps me looking young or feeling young or stuff like that. So, um, and also uh, I, I kind of cheat where, like if I wear, if I'm a triple X shirt, I wear a four X shirt. So people go, Oh, you look like you lost weight. You know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Well no, seriously, thanks for the thanks for the kind words. It's just a matter of staying busy. I, I I'm I'm I try to stay active as much as possible between walking and you know, getting enough water and stuff like that. Just, right, uh, right. But yeah. yeah. But I'm feeling it, man. I feel, I'm feeling, I'm, I don't know if I'm at the age where I like is that a pro wrestling pain pain or a getting old pain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think
2: it's all one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much blue mini thank you again for coming on it was great seeing you great talking to you here today uh folks again uh go to pro wrestling tees go to the live and in color with wolfie d podcast store to purchase t-shirts and support us uh uh, all the all the social medias jimmy what are they at live
1: wolfie d you can't miss us if you do that one we're like meanie
2: (laughs) once again Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Live in Color with Wolfie D.
1: And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the plastic chic, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling!
2: Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: This is The Big Picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. The
4: Bob in this part, he's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care
2: what you think. You're gonna hear all about it by Jablonski. It's the Pissed Off by Jablonski.
5: In a world that has been completely divided for so long, two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, They will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram.
2: It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and
5: roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey jekin Show, and the brand-new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com.
3: So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Warren Wolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live Wolfie D. And then on YouTube at Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast. Our website is anchor.fm slash Wolfie D. Here's the thing Wolfie always has offers for his autograph. Photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. Also, do you have a product or business you'd like Wolfie D to talk about. Let us know about it by leaving a recorded message over at anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. Leave your name and contact info and we'll get back to you. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. And before we go, you can always find me your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate, first of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You worked your butt off secondly the people that are liking the page beyond that even more is the people that are listening and we really appreciate that yeah and remember guys the podcast drops a new episode every monday at noon and our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats thanks again i got a cat for you don't he got a cat for you don't
4: i got a for you don't got a cat for you don't you And here we go, the original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating cause I'm spitting the truth, still loving in color, don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap unlike any other, back in the day, I was N.O.D., and I was P to the G, plus the one and the three, in case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D, been cloned and copied so many times, Titus is taking credit for what is mine, you know who you are, without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy, boy coming out hip hop, been doing it like this since 92. 92, Lay long for a while and you thought I was through. listen real close to these rhymes that I've this shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected, mad skills no faking. there is no one great, cause I'm bringing more folks than over one for people. To play games, so yeah, you, you better beware. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. The time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. With my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. I'm gonna wind it up, then I'm driving it home. It's Ruff baby. Huh? I got a cap for your not I got a cap for your You got a cap for your dome. You you got a cap for your zone
1: This has been a James Rock Street production